As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic's Football GM Podcast. And now, the Athletics' Mike Sando and former NFL Executive of the Year, Randy Muir. All right, welcome everybody to the Football GM Podcast coming out of Week 13. Some exciting football, some surprises. Randy, how are you doing this morning? Doing great. A lot of topics to sort through, that's for sure, Mike. We do. I mean, go. We're going to talk a little bit about Buffalo and Washington. Of course, they won on Monday. Uh, we're going to talk about the slumping Seahawks and Russell Wilson, how concerned <laughs> we are there. The surprising giants of Joe Judge. Speaking of Joes, Joe Douglas of the Jets, he's going to ride to the rescue for this team. Let's talk about that. we got our Week 14 picks, some really good games. It feels like I want to keep adding more games to the picks. We've got three or four there. Good Ask the GM segment today on the Cardinals. Remember them? They were once in the mix. Now they're on the outside of the playoff picture. We'll talk about them. So much to get to, Randy. And Monday night, I'll say, um, I didn't really know what to expect in the Pittsburgh-Washington game other than a Steelers victory. You just sort of assumed that. But a short week. Heck, I'm trying to find the game on TV. That was the number one thing. Like here here in the Northwest, it's like not on direct TV. Or it is, but it's on Channel 712. (laughs) That was stressful. But I got the game on. And then I'm watching and I'm thinking, is Washington way better than we thought? Is Pittsburgh not as good as we thought? Maybe it's both. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there is a little bit of... uh uh, NFC East revival going on here. That's for sure. Let, let me just say this about Alex Smith and, and what he's done. And I know everybody's covered this story, but what he did last night in putting the ball under his arm and running off the field so that they had to get a kicking ball or another ball in the game to allow his team to kick a field goal. That's as good a move as I've seen. And I don't think I've seen that anything like that. So you're past. saying you're calling BS on him. Cause I watched him after the game on the, whatever the Scott Van Pelt show, you know, and he was yeah. like, Oh no, I was just trying to facilitate a quick exchange of the ball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as he was think? smirking, running off the field with the ball under his arm, you know, I mean, that's a veteran <laughs> move. I, I've never seen it before. I was in awe by it. It just, that's what stands out to me about the whole game. That's how simple-minded I am. I like seeing stuff different. Well, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah, and, you know, with a guy like Alex Smith for Washington, he, you know, I don't know how, what the future is for him. I assume he's going to keep getting a little bit better as he gets more confidence. But you have a veteran quarterback out there. I mean, it gives yeah. your whole operation a chance, right? I mean, and 
And it's funny, I don't know, I don't even know who was working the game as a referee, but some of these quarterbacks now have way more experience than the refs. I mean, they turned over all these refs. So so they're almost the guys in charge out there. You know no what doubt, I mean? 100%. Yeah. Alex Smith and Ben Roethlisberger have way more games probably than whoever's calling the game. You know what I mean? The, right. the officials. So they really are in control and orchestrating. And maybe, it's funny, I wrote my, my Monday column, the pick six column, <laughs> just in time because it was really about the futility of the NFC East and how these poor teams, <laughs> these poor teams, if they were, weren't careful we're going to win the division and end up picking 20th overall instead of top five six or seven but right. maybe they're going to be in between because uh we're, we're seeing some life washington just what's your feel on like where they're at under ron rivera is this are they in a good place yeah i think they're definitely in a good place com- compared to where they have been i think what we're seeing and we're going to hit on some of this when we get later in the show about the giants i think you're seeing defenses come to the forefront now more than ever i think that it was an offensive league to start the first half of the season and now some of these teams including the washington football team you're seeing their defense is legitimate they've come together with some packages now that have been designed to slow offenses down and they've worked enough together to, to actually make the adjustments and make in-game adjustments. And I think that's what you're seeing in Washington. A proven coach, somebody that's been through it before, he's done a great job with what he has. Now I think their next step will be the offseason as to how they can continue to build in the offseason. I've said this a couple times and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I wish he had a, a, G, a, a GM with him once the season ended to kind of continue to build this thing out for him because I think that's a missing ingredient that they just don't have. Yeah, and they may and they may do that, you know. Yeah. And it, and really, we'll get to our other Monday Night winner. They have a GM, Brandon Bean. He seems to work really well with Sean McDermott. I wouldn't necessarily say their defense is coming together like Washington's is. Uh, but there were, there's some positive signs. I think they McDermott's defenses usually have gotten better over the years. Right. But, you know, this is a team that's 9-3 and three for the second year in a row. Okay, They have four wins this year against teams that currently have winning records. And if you just stack the whole league, there's only 200 teams that have that many. Uh, right. It's Pittsburgh and Kansas City. They're eleven and one, so right. we're seeing some signs of a of a legitimate good team, you know. And I look at them. I was just stacking their first twelve games the last few years, and if you go back two years, they were averaging fourteen points a game on offense through twelve games, and then last year it was twenty one, mm-hmm. and this year's twenty eight. Yeah. You know, I mean that that you're starting to get into where okay, I don't think they're better than Kansas City, but like I think on their best day they they might give Kansas City a run. I mean, I think they're they're really you yeah. know, you got to pay attention to them. What do you see? Yeah, no doubt about it. I I saw last night the evolution of a quarterback taking the next step. That's the thing for me. I mean, we've always seen with Josh Allen the elite size, the athletic ability. He's always been able to run, extend plays, you know, do all those things with his legs, and we've never doubted that. He's been a bit of a thrower to this point in my mind, but last night I saw a an NFL pocket passer, a kid that was poised, he was calm, he was processing coverage. I don't think he's in the mix for any MVP talk this year, but I'm going to say this, in future years, I think if he can back this up and continue to stack up games like this, I think you're looking at a future MVP in this league. I thought, um, again, the the way he went about his business was at a different speed, and, and this is crazy to say you can judge this, but I saw the game slowing for him, and I saw his mind slowing down a little bit, and that was awesome for me to see because I think the kid has unbelievable arm talent, and he's an elite thrower of the ball. If he can precision pass now to go with all that other stuff, I think Buffalo's in a great spot going forward. Yeah, and they've got those really good receivers for him, and that's only going to get a yep. better rapport and better rapport. I, I agree with you. I was watching the game last night 
as unnervous as I've been watching yeah. Josh Allen. Like I'm not sitting there afraid he's going to blow the game. I mean, the one tur- the one bad turnover was just a botched exchange, which could happen right. to anybody right down in there. But yeah. you didn't have the ridiculous sacks, or you know, he wasn't just running around on the roller coaster. Right. You're right; it felt like he's in control. And then you see some throws where you go, "Wow!" You know, I mean, yeah. it just big time. There was, I mean, even tell me. It, the one down there in the red zone, I think it was it was negated by a penalty, but he sort of backpedaled and he just flicks that thing to on a yeah. rope to the guy at the goal line. I just said, "Whoa!" You know, you don't. Right. You know, there's just a lot yeah. of thought to like about some of the things. It's a, it's kind of crazy what when you see plays, what it makes you think of. And when I saw that play, I'm thinking, you know what? Why wouldn't Denver have wanted this? You know, this kid, you could see this ability coming out of Wyoming. And again, we've talked about this before about Denver passing on him. Denver's three or four years later, still looking for a quarterback. This guy would have been just as good a fit in Denver as he is in Buffalo. And he was from right up the road. So I just, they missed the boat on that one. Again, we're beating a dead horse, but this kid is special, no doubt. So you're talking about, you know, I I think as we look to pull clips out from this to promote the show, I think Josh Allen as a future MVP is a good, good hook for that. But, you know, a past MVP, a potential MVP is this season was Russell Wilson. And I remember early in the year, we were comparing him and Mahomes and maybe Russell's a little ahead of Mahomes. Uh, Maybe Mahomes is a little more talented, but this was a real MVP candidate in Russell Wilson. And you could see it every week and they were letting Russ cook. And uh, the sky was the limit. I mean, this guy was unbelievable. And now there's been three or four games where he's flat lost the game almost. If we're going to give him all the credit when he wins it, right? I mean, he has been bad in some of these games in critical moments and looked really bad against the Giants. They just lost to the Giants. I mean, not we're going to talk about the Giants. We like some things that are going on with them. They're they're on our show. But I'm, but you know, they're starting Colt McCoy, who hasn't won a game in the league for like six, seven years, yeah. and they lost with Russell Wilson playing yeah. quarterback, and it wasn't like their whole team was out with injuries or whatever. Worried, Randy? I think yeah, Seattle fans know, are. I think you're right. I think I, I have heard a little panic out of the Seattle fans, and probably rightly so. I think the the Russ Cook. Let him cook has has caused a little grease fire in the kitchen, and there's smoke and and fog in there. And and I saw I like saw it. a player Sunday that just wasn't seeing things clearly. I mean, he was indecisive in his reads, in his processing of information, and then he flat out missed some throws that he never would would miss in the past. So there's something missing there. I don't know what it is. I think some of it is Seattle's inability to run the ball. Um, I think you got to give the Giants a little bit of credit. And like you said, we're going to hit on them. But Russ definitely is not the same. And I don't think it takes a genius to see that. I think Seattle fans have seen it for the last month, really. A lot of the talk on on MVP, like you said, came out early. If he gets an MVP vote this year, it's a charity vote. I'll be honest with you. It is not. That's right. That still should be the case. He, he won't get a vote this year. So. I know. I can. I was like, like, I can't wait till next year when they're you know eight and two, and people are like, "Can you believe he's never gotten an MVP vote?" And I'm like, people <laughs> watch the seasons because yeah. you wouldn't give him one this year. Right. Here's the thing, you know, and I've you know done my quarterback tiers survey every year, and so mm-hmm. talk to people, and and I'm early in Russell's career, you know, people always loved him, but you know, you pointed that number one defense and run game, and and yep. people didn't give him credit, and the fans would say, well, God, how come he's not in tier one or whatever? And you'd say, well, you know, when when you're only passing the ball 20 times a game, you know, whatever, 25 times, it's really they're winning with the defense and the run game, and I think even people who've held on to criticisms of him, it's not really criticisms, but just analysis of him that wasn't as gushing, they said, hey, he's always needed the run game. And when you look, if you looked at the truly elite quarterbacks, yeah, you need some run game, but they 
don't need that as the foundation. And I think for a lot of Russell Wilson's tenure there, um, he's been looking at single safety defenses, um, yep. getting good matchups, and his ability to buy time and make smart decisions and incredible throws uh, off schedule has really played into that. And so what's happened this year? Let Russ Cook and all you know analytics yep. people thrilled. We're throwing it all the time. This is the future of the league. This is how you do it. And you've added DK Metcalf, who's a really legitimate receiver, who's different from other receivers they've had. They've had good receivers, Lockett, Baldwin, but they haven't had guys that you really had to have an alert for on the defensive game plan meeting room, right? Mm-hmm. Where where we have to say this guy's name. We have we know who he is. Um, and so now when you play Seattle. I think you're not worried about the run game as much. I think your top priorities are DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson. So you're going into the game now with a defend a tier one quarterback defense. Okay? Not mm-hmm. defend the run game defense and then a guy with who can play at a tier one level shreds us. I'm watching the game. This is dangerous a little bit, Randy. I'm not a coach, a personnel guy. But I try to freeze the play before the play. Mm-hmm. And look and say, okay, what I want to be running or passing here, and I'm only looking at it based on where are the safeties are. There two of them back there, and it's obvious, or is right. there one of them up close? And it seemed like against the Giants, they're running when I would have guessed that you'd be passing. They're passing when I would have guessed you might have been running. It's just out of sorts. And Russell Wilson's not having guys running wide open to make right. the plays. They're keeping him in the pocket a little bit. Have they been solved? Yeah, I think the blueprint that the Giants did roll out is going to be replicated as the season goes on, without a doubt. And and you bring up some good points. I think what the Giants did to him on Sunday was confuse him with some combination coverages, like you said, with two high safeties and man underneath. But the Seattle offense is not built around getting away from man for man when you have help over the top. And that happened to him on Sunday. The Giants covered their receivers. You know, Lockett is a small guy. He doesn't like getting jostled around. They kind of put their hands on him and disrupted his timing. And Metcalf, like you said, is a longer-geared, big-play-oriented guy. So he's not really quick in and out of breaks either. So I didn't see a lot of guys running around open. And that really confused Russell. He was struggling to find people that were open. And when you combine that with the way they got handled up front, really on both sides of the ball— um, they're just not as physical. They're not the downhill running team they is in Seattle that we've seen in the past. So there's a lot of things going on here. And, and I think in, when you really break it down, I don't think there's one specific reason, but there's a lot of things that became evident in that game with the Giants that it'll be interesting to see how many teams can find that same formula against them as we go down the stretch. Well, that's thing I want to ask is, you know, they're going to add Josh Gordon to this. Do they need that? Is that something that you know, could really help unlock what's sort of going on, get the handcuffs off? I think it's helpful. I really think what they could use is a, like the Beasley kid from Buffalo, like a a Wes Welker, like somebody that Yeah, Doug Baldwin. That's exactly right. Somebody that can get away from somebody in a tight area, and they just don't have that. So they're lacking that. They're lacking big playability from the run game as well. And I think that starts with, like I said, they're getting pushed back at the point of attack. One thing that's, and it's really not a knock, I think Ethan Posick, the the offensive lineman that they've tried to find a home for, is now their starting center. He's six foot five. It is hard for an angular, upright center to do anything in the running game because his pad level is so high. So guess what? He gets knocked back at the point more often than not. So they're starting from a point that's one yard back in their backfield in their running game. If you watch the Giants game, their runs that were effective were kind of off tackle where they 
motioned in DK Metcalf and sealed the edge and they got outside a little bit. So they're not knocking people back. They're not running downhill like they did with Marshawn Lynch. It's a total different scheme that they're trying to employ. Yep. Well, they're going to play the Jets this week and and I think they're going to probably win that game, right? Um, yeah, I would think so. I, I would yeah. think they're going to win. They're 13 point favorites. And I want to talk about the Jets because there's a couple of ways to go on them. Obviously, Greg Williams firing was the big story, you know, with the the risky blitz play to give up the winning touchdown uh, against the Raiders in a game that really was going to be the Jets' first win of the year. Um, and then I, I want to talk about the long term with them, too. Um, first off, Greg, Greg Williams, not a big surprise that if you yeah. had to pick one guy who was going to do that. Um, I was actually kind of Pleasantly surprised. I think you don't root for anyone to get fired, but I, th- I think that had to happen. I think they had to get rid of him. I wasn't sure they were going to do it because it felt like almost it could have been done earlier in the year. You know, um, right. it almost felt like an insurrection <laughs> type of a situation there. Uh, yep. Your first t- take on that, Randy, would be what? Yeah, I mean, really the only way the Jets lose that game is to do what they did. They could have picked 10 other defenses to call, but that's the one that, you know, is playing with fire. I felt bad for the players. That's who I felt bad for. I mean, yep. Greg Williams is what he is. That's That's been his MO. That He's going to do what he does. Nothing's going to change. His ego is involved there, and, and that's that's part of the downside of an aggressive kind of narcissistic coach. You know, that's just the way he is. But I felt bad for the players and the other coaches because those guys worked their butts off. I know how hard it is to win a game, and I know what they're going through week in and week out, just trying to win one game to get off the schneid, to get people from you know, saying they're going to be 0-16. That's a big burden. And they, those those players deserved a better coverage call than that. And, and you heard some of their players even come yeah. out and say it afterwards. Marcus, Marcus May. May. Yeah. 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 I mean, that that's sad. And, you know, and that's the first thing I thought of was it really is not about Greg Williams. I, I figured that would be the the – the death sentence there in his yeah. call, but I just felt bad for the players and, and, and their week's worth of work went down the tube with a selfish call that made no sense to me at all. So we're going to talk about Jets players in the future a little bit. I went back last night preparing for the show and I decided, you know what, I'm going to watch the opening press conferences for Joe Douglas and just some of the early interviews when he got the job in June of 2019, because really they're going to be trusting Joe Douglas, it looks like, to lead them out of this. You would assume that Adam Gase probably wouldn't survive this. This is sort of the, right. you know, uh, w- with this type of record and Sam Darnold not doing well. Uh, but they signed Joe Douglas to a six-year contract, I believe, as the GM. So in all likelihood, I mean, I suppose there could be a change. Um, you know, the owner comes in and decides this isn't working. But a couple thoughts here on Joe Douglas. Number one, I think Joe Douglas got the job part for two, two main reasons. One, he was tight with Adam Gase. Well, if Adam's not going to be there, that wouldn't mm-hmm. be a factor now going forward. And number two was, you know, he played a role and, and learned how to do it right when he was with the Eagles, which right now, you know, the Eagles Oops. are on fire. Oops. So you you <laughs> wouldn't say that that would be a reason to get hired. Now he was with Baltimore and, and look, that pedigree could be part of it. But yep. I'm going to go back to a comment from, from Joe Douglas. I'm going to read it here. This is what he said when he got the job. It's an exciting time for the Jets, and there are some key pieces already in place in this puzzle. It starts with the quarterback, the most important position in all of sports, and it goes on probably to two of the best free agents in the market last year in C.J. Mosley and Le'Veon Bell, and exciting young players like Jamal Adams, Quinnen Williams, and Leonard Williams. There's a lot to be excited about with this roster, and I can't wait to get in, roll up my sleeves, and keep adding to it. Well... 
We're going to fast forward 18 months. C.J. Mosley, maybe he's a factor in the future. I know this. He opted out this year. Le'Veon Bell's gone. Jamal Adams is gone. Leonard Williams is gone. He's playing for the Giants. No one's adding anything. We're going to probably get rid of the head coach. Randy, if I'm a Jets fan, I'm hoping for Trevor Lawrence, but what else am I hoping on? Yeah, I agree. I think, and, and like they say, hope really isn't a plan, is it? <laughs> That's really what their their hope, their hope is their best plan. Yeah, that, that was telling. I had not heard that before you brought that up, but obviously he is he started his build with getting rid of a lot of important parts. I think it's important to note that I think when people take over jobs like this, whether it's a head coach or a GM, they underestimate, in my opinion, especially if they haven't been in charge before, how hard it is to get good players. They, <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen seasoned veteran coaches take over and want to get rid of guys because they're not their guys. And my comment has always been, well, you know what? It's hard to find these guys. It is really hard to get good players. And I think that's what we've seen. We've seen Joe Douglas tear down the Jets to make them way worse than they were when he got there, if that's possible. And now he's going to build it back up. And let's just say he takes a year. Well, he's taken two already, but takes another year or a year and a half to build it back up. They're going to be where they were before when he got there. So good luck finding a a Jamal Adams. Good luck finding a new running back. Good luck finding uh, another Leonard Williams. You know, these guys are, they don't grow on trees. They they get picked and and have skins on the wall because they're really good. And now we can't find a way to use them and add to them. I think your your point or his, I guess, exact quote was, we're going to add to them, which I totally believe in. You have to add to what you have and just think where they'd be if they had those players and then could still add to them. Yes, absolutely. And we've seen where Adam Gase has been before. He's, it hasn't worked with players, right? Whether it was, right. you go back to uh, maybe Brandon Marshall or Jarvis Landry, or all these guys. And as a coach, especially sometimes you think of an offensive coach, Adam Gase wants to script the plays. He wants to get in there and do that. He doesn't want to be bothered by all the things that, uh, that are maintenance, right? Uh, a player That's here obvious who when, you, that, when right? you watch his body language. Yeah, right. he wants nothing to do with it. He doesn't want to do it. And even great coaches. I mean, Randy, when I first met you, you were uh, you were with the Seahawks at that time, and, and they hired Mike Holmgren. And I remember Mike, and I think Mike's a Hall of Fame coach, but mm-hmm. like he wanted to trade Amon Green right away. You know, he was yep. a top running back for whatever reason. In his mind, the fumbling, whatever. And you and others in the organization as a as a, as personnel people said, wait a minute, we can't cut this guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> that happens wherever you go. Yes, The coach does. gets upset with certain things that he doesn't want to deal with. Even great coaches do it. Yes. And it's it's up to other people in the building to say, no, no, no. Whoa, 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 wait a second. We are now. not yeah. <laughs> getting rid of Jamal Adams. We're yeah. working this thing out because he's our best player. You watch Seattle now for all their issues. Jamal yes. Adams is probably their best player on defense. No doubt. He may yeah. be their best player right now if Russell Wilson doesn't start playing better. So yeah. uh, you, uh, it's such a good point. It's very hard to find good players. You can't be giving up on guys just because they're a pain or it's hard for you, or it would be easier and less stressful to yeah. deal with them. Because guess what? All the best ones, not all the best ones, a lot of the best ones have to be managed. I mean, they're, yeah. these are... Do you think Lawrence Taylor was easy to coach? Do you think <laughs> Phil Sims was easy to coach? Ask Parcells about some of this stuff. I mean, yeah. Again, it's a different mindset for a coach. And I always think that as a GM, you need to be the alter ego to kind of not necessarily push back, but at least let's talk about this. And then usually... Clearer heads prevail, calmer you know attitudes prevail, and and you end up making the right decision. But sometimes with unchecked power comes craziness, right? And and we yeah. see that around the league often. 
And we think that, hey, 0-16 or whatever, we're going to get Trevor Lawrence and that's going to solve it. Well, who's going to be around him? Yeah, We're going to be no. talking in a year about maybe, unless they really do some nice things. And, and look, they, you know, Mims might end up being a nice receiver or whatever. But I see fewer pieces on this team than there were when Joe Douglas got there. So, oh, not even close. I agree. Yeah, yeah. So if we're going to build this thing up, and some of those, frankly, were on defense pieces. So, you know, they're going to need some offense pieces around um, Trevor Lawrence. But he's not safe in everything. I mean, you know, he's oh, probably please. not going to come in. And go thirteen and three, or fix all of the issues that are around this team. So, as you look at what's going on with the Eagles, and maybe they weren't built in such a great way, and as you consider who what the relationship is between the coach and the GM, I think we do have to hold Joe Douglas to his initial comments, which were, "quote I can't wait to get in, roll up my sleeves, and keep adding to it." Where's the adding? We need to see yeah. that. So. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We have to get into the Giants, and I want to because they really held down. There were two ways we could go coming out of the Seahawks segment. One was to talk about their next opponent, the Jets. I thought I was being very clever doing that, but we can't talk <laughs> that about it. That was good. You did good. But I did pretty well. But, <laughs> but let's get into the Giants uh, because they've suddenly won a bunch of games in a row, and they're a 5-7 and seven team that just won a game with Colt McCoy. I don't think people want to play them. And I was, it's funny, going into the weekend, I was talking about doing my NFC East research and how historically bad they were. But, you know, talking to execs from other teams, they're like, hey, you know, the Giants are tough out for everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. no one is looking forward uh, to playing the New York football Giants. And I know in, you and I looking at them in relation to what they did against the Seahawks, I mean, yep. I don't care if Russell's having some issues. That's impressive. I yes. mean, that's impressive. They had Russell Wilson looking like Colt McCoy. You know, I yeah. mean, no you doubt. couldn't have told which team had the backup quarterback. So um, that's encouraging. And we, we can talk about they should be tanking or whatever. No, they're building something here. And uh, there's a couple good things to see. Yeah, no doubt. I think you can have a couple different takes after that Seahawks game. And, and obviously, the Seattle Seahawks aren't the same team without the 12s in the stadium, for one thing. So let's just face that. It's a little different atmosphere. It is easier for teams to come in there. But what I saw was a Giants team that, one, well-coached, two, put together a game plan that was outstanding. I mean, like we talked about, they had, had Russell Wilson confused. But I saw a disciplined defense. I saw a New England Patriots style defense from, you know, yesteryear. And and it led me to two things. One, the kind of players that they've used to build that defense. And and then two, the way they employ the schemes to win each game. And I think those are great 
points for for Giants fans going forward in that I think this team is building for the future. They've done a great job of identifying talent. And I know we like to beat up on Dave Gettleman and, and he's, a, he's an easy target when we talk about IT and computers and all that. But I think what he has done is he's worked good with Joe Judge and they have identified um, players that won't necessarily win the press conference when we sign them, but they will win games when we scheme them up with their strengths. And I think that's what, that's what, let's face it. I, in fact, I wrote about this in MuellerFootball.com and it'll be up later on the blog this week, just the building of this defense. And, and some of the things that we've found out as coaches and front office people peel off from the New England way, they haven't really brought with them the key ingredients to set up shop elsewhere and duplicate what the Patriots have done. But I think Joe, Joe, Judge has done some of that this year in that they signed uh, a couple defensive backs that fit exactly with what they want. Logan Ryan, they signed the Bradbury kid that Gettleman drafted in Carolina. These weren't big signings at the time. These were ascending type players, 26-year-old guys who had skill sets that fit exactly what we want to do. And then you're talking about a team that has employed a, a group of rotational defensive linemen. We mentioned Leonard Williams. He's a good player, and they started by bulking him up to where he could play five technique. But the plan has been they had five sacks against Russell Wilson, and they don't have an elite pass rusher. So that right. should tell you something right there. They pressured him all day long, and they do not have Von Miller. They do not have Miles Garrett. They have a system in place where they can get pressure and take advantage of some weaknesses in the offensive line of other teams. So I just like the way they've gone about their business. I think they are going to be a tough out, like you mentioned. I like the way they have built this thing. And there are details of which that I think can be replicated by others when doing it. But it's a good group right now. And and going forward, I see this as the eventual NFC East champ, especially if they cannot turn the ball over like they did against Seattle and continue to run the ball the way they have. They kind of pushed Seattle around on both sides of the ball. Yeah, they did. They did. Uh, that, uh, you know, when they put this team together, so they, they brought in Patrick Graham, who we should talk about a little bit as their yes. defensive coordinator. And at the time, that just seemed weird to me because, like, they let him out of Miami. You know what I mean? He was maybe this is more of a Miami thing. They did weird. The, the Flores has done a great job there, but it was sort of weird to me that like you, you're new, you get this defensive coordinator and Patrick Graham. And then like in a year, you're like, Hey, just go ahead and go somewhere else. I wondered what that meant. Was that like Patrick Graham's not good? Does it mean Flores doesn't know what he's doing? Maybe, maybe Flores knows what he's doing because his defense is good. And yeah. maybe the giants know what they're doing with Patrick Graham. Maybe this is a win-win for everybody. And Patrick Graham could be, you know, he's a potential in the mix investigate for head coach type 100%. thing here. Because yep. when we were talking yesterday, Randy, I think one of the phrases you said, I mean, they might have, they, they came up with a Russell Wilson blueprint that was pretty dang good. That's outstanding. Yeah. Uh, no, Patrick a Graham is a, is a name that I'm going to be honest with you. I'd never heard of him until three weeks ago. And I know he's been around in the league and, and done some good things, but you know, he too came off the New England tree but went to, like you said, Miami. And I think what happened in Miami was that was always going to be Brian Flores' defense, right? I mean, Brian's yeah. always going to have his hand in the mix there. He gets to go to New York and kind of do his own thing and make the defense in his own light. And he's done that. You're talking about a smart guy here. He went to Yale. I mean, come on. He's got some credentials that he gets it. And and the fact that I'd never heard of him, I was kind of surprised uh, at myself. But at the same time, this guy is, you're going to hear of him down the road. That's for sure. Yeah. Because he's done some good things. Yep. And, you know, we were talking about adding to your team and, and, 
you know, adding players in. And as I watch that game, um, I'm thinking, ooh, 21, Peppers. Oh, that's a guy they acquired. He's flying in there and running over people yep. and make, and blowing up the coverage. Ooh, 24, Bradbury. Well, he's the guy kind of you know making some plays and batting away the pass at the end. You know, that's yep. the guy they signed. You know, I didn't really notice what uh, Blake Martinez did as much 54, uh, but but he's another guy they, they picked yeah. up, right? Added he's to. the glue behind the team, Mike. Uh, Blake Martinez is a guy that they didn't sign for his size, his athleticism, his speed. They signed him for his smarts, his instincts, and he's the signal yeah. caller that makes it all go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, uh, 99 Leonard Williams was that, you know, there's just, there's just some pieces yeah. here that have been added to the team. So they've added to the team and I feel we'll see what happens with them. You know, there's been some talk that would get them and retire. Will there be a GM change? I think when the record wasn't good, if Daniel mm-hmm. Jones doesn't play well, people speculated there, but I think at least with Joe judge, who is an unknown, we feel genuine, we feel generally much better about him than we did two months ago when we were, we snickered Randy, you and I right here snickered. He's doing some of the training. He's camp making stuff. guys run laps for, you yep. know, or, for mis- miscues in practice, and you're right. Yep. We, we we made fun of it, but we, he's got yeah. the last laugh. We snickered. So right now, our update is, okay, we're not snickering. We're nodding <laughs> yeah. our head, and we're going, okay, we want to see more. So really good good for you, Giants. That's nice. Um, looking good. And now we will get into our picks. Okay, now we're getting into picks, and I, and I want to talk about them because, Randy, you and I were three for three last week. Uh, yeah. We both took Indy. I was conflicted on Indy and Houston, and I guess I should have been because the last play of the game could have gone the other way, but uh, we both took Indy and and came out ahead. We both took the Rams, and we both took New England, which I feel pretty good. Can you imagine if you picked the Chargers last week? Oh, my gosh. Talk about a debacle. <laughs> you know debacles. how hard it is to lose? You know how hard it is to lose 45 nothing in the NFL? That's hard now. To a team wow. that has 69 yards passing or whatever oh, Cam Newton had? I mean, unbelievable. That's so, crazy. That's awful. I, I have overloaded us because I get too excited about the games. I, see I got, that. I got yeah. four games on here for us. So I don't even know for sure how I'm picking them. But Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Steelers, I guess, were one and a half point favorite. Dang it, I'm going with Buffalo. Maybe I'm just recency <laughs> bias here. But, you know, I think we were looking at Pittsburgh this last week going, oh, they, yeah, they barely, they, they should have really rolled Baltimore. But you know what? Mike Tomlin, he was mad after the game. They're going to get their best effort on Monday. I don't see an explosive team offensively. I don't see them with the capabilities that Buffalo has to score points as easily. So maybe they get to Josh Allen, flummox him, and he has the bad Josh game. That could easily happen. He's not going to play great forever every single game. Nobody does. But I'm going to roll. I'm going to roll with Buffalo. What say you? Yeah, I'm. I'm going to have to fo- follow suit. I think. Thing about Pittsburgh that I'm baffled by is the amount of mental mistakes they make. They've dropped passes, but it's not because those guys can't catch. It's because their focus has been off. They had a bunch of drops uh, in the game last night and and just a, a and maybe some of it came from what seemed like a three-week preparation for the Raven game, you know, because it kept getting pushed back and it just kind of I think set them off and put them out of sorts. It's going to take them coming back to to reality and putting in a good solid week's work. And I think they'll do that. But from what I saw with Buffalo last night, I just think they've they've taken the next step. And I think it's a this is is more of a game for Buffalo showing they can continue to flex their muscle against good teams. So I'm with yeah. you. I'm gonna pick Baltimore I mean uh, pick Buffalo. I think they're gonna be the underdog, right? Pittsburgh's favorite. Yeah, Pittsburgh so, by one and a half. I'll take the yep. points. I'll take the home dog as well. Yep. Um, New England is at the Rams, and I think the Rams are favored by six, which feels about actually about right to me. I've picked New England the last two weeks. I'm not going to ride with them for a third. I, I feel like defensively the Rams can uh, contain a really one-dimensional 
offense in, in New England. I don't think we're going to have the historically bad special teams performance, which if you read my column on Monday, there's been 11,000-plus mm. games, I think, for since 2020. This was the worst on special teams by the Chargers, so I don't, I don't see that happening. I think I may... I may regret it. Six points is a lot. I'm going to ride, though, with the Rams and just see see how it goes and say they win by a touchdown. What, what about you? Yeah, I hate to agree with you, Mike, but I'm going to have to agree with you again. Yeah, yeah. I think New England is, is, as most of us know, is spending the week on the West Coast. So by the time this game happens, they will have been away from home for 10, 12 days, something like that. I think the Rams are just a good team. I think they're solid on both sides of the ball and definitely have more talent than New England. I've got a lot of faith in Sean McVay. I do worry a little bit about the six points, like you said, but yeah, I'm going to ride with the Rams as well, and, and uh, I think they'll find a way to score on New England and spread them out and, and uh, actually score quite a bit on New England, yeah. so maybe it, they cover the six. And I get a little worried saying that because I do think the Rams are a team that can be solved by a good scheme. I don't mean that they're—you you know what I mean? I don't, there's yeah, not a yeah. dynamic element to Goff. I think you can defend them, and New England has been a team that has shut them down in the past, and the Super Bowl held them to three points, so I'm a little worried saying it. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna show some faith in the Rams on that. We got Arizona. You were gonna say one thing there. Well, I was just gonna say that that Super Bowl you bring up. I've heard Sean McVay reference that the last few days as well, and so I don't think that game is completely out of the Rams' mind. Oh, he's so that yeah, can't that, happen again. Sean's right. ego on this one right. is invested. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, he's definitely vested on this game, no doubt. It's it's a it's a remake of uh, he he hopes to change flip the flip the script. That's for sure. I'm going to say they score more than three points. So there we go on that <laughs> one. Um, Arizona is at the Giants. The, the, when I checked the the lines at Arizona by two and a half, I, we're going to talk about Arizona in our in our Ask the GM segment. Am I going to get bit here by going <laughs> with the Giants who shouldn't be able to score? Uh, that's my concern, but. I think I am going to go with the Giants. I think they have some confidence now, defensively good plan, and you can solve Arizona. What do you What do you think? Yeah, after our last segment, I think it's hard to not go against the Giants. I just think they're where they need to be right now. I have a little, and we'll we'll talk about. It, I have a little struggle with Arizona and where they've gone the last month. They really haven't evolved their offense, but I do think the Giants at home in probably what's going to be a little bit of a cold weather environment. Um, I like yeah. the Giants. They've got a win to to kind of approach 500 anyway and i just think they're headed in the right direction so i'm all in on the giants right now yep our last one is indy at at vegas and man we'd be talking we would have had a segment today on the raiders had they lost to the jets which they should have they should have yeah. lost to the jets and you know i know some people have been a little higher on Derek carr this season and then others have yeah. said <laughs> have said i don't know i mean i'll play him twice a year i'll play him every week if you want um yeah where are you at on that one, and, and can you take the Raiders? I'm going to go with Andy, and I'm going to give the three. I, I just think fundamentally, I think they'll get to Carr. I think they'll rattle him a little bit. But where are you at on this game, and where are you at on Carr? Because it hasn't looked so good. Yeah, you know, I'm still good with Carr. I, I like Carr. I like where he's headed. He's had a couple bumps in the road. There's no doubt about that the last couple weeks. I think Indy's defense will be as big of – as big a hurdle as he's faced. I mean, it's obviously going to be better than, than what he faced with the Jets. Um, because you're picking Indy, I'm going to go with Derek Carr. I think they're they're looking for a little vindication here. They've got to win to stay in the hunt themselves, so they're desperate. They're not in the playoffs. Uh, I think Indy will get there. Vegas has to win to get in the playoffs, and so I'm going to pick Vegas yeah. and uh, – you know, I think at home uh, they'll find a way to win the game. And maybe you know, I wanted that bounce back game from them after they lost forty three to six to Atlanta. But maybe it's hard to manufacture that against the Jets. You know, maybe it just yep. is. And, and now you're going to play against Indy. 
but um, I am I am selling stock a little bit on the Raiders right now. It's time for Ask the GM. Ask the GM segment is on the Cardinals. Kind of, hey, what's up with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals? They started five and two. They've lost four or five. Remember last year they went from three and three to three and nine. I think we gave Cliff Kingsbury a little bit of a pass because it's his first year at the program. They only won three games the year before, if I remember, the whole year. But right now they would miss the playoffs. They're actually the number eight seed behind Minnesota. Um, what is up with them? How worried are you about Arizona? What can they hang their hat on down the stretch? Well, as a GM, I go back to my evaluations and, and looking at personnel for the for the first thing with them and for as many accolades and as much as we've been high on Kyler Murray um, his stock the last three or four weeks has obviously taken a dip and for one thing I always go back to this is not a big man right he's a smaller guy he's going to take a beating I think he's going to have to find a way to add some weight and and be a little more durable you know he hurt his shoulder two or three weeks ago I don't think he's been the same since so also though with him being a smaller guy guess what defenses are going to do they're going to take away the run. They're going to stop rushing him. They're going to bring back the old mush rush, and they're going to make him beat him from the pocket. And that just hasn't happened. He hasn't evolved from the pocket to make all the throws, and I think that's what set them back a little bit. The other thing is, and you mentioned it, Cliff Kingsbury's history late in seasons, whether it's at Texas Tech or at Arizona, has not been the brightest. I mean, the offense has to evolve. We've talked about it here on the GM podcast all year that the second half of the season is a coach's you know, it's a coach's uh, blueprint, right? They've got to figure things out. And I haven't seen Kingsbury figure things out yet after blueprints have changed, schematics have changed. Now he's got to make the next chess move, and, and I just haven't seen it yet. So he's going to have to give this kid a little more of a game plan to run with and find ways to make him efficient. And then Kyler's got to find a way to be a better passer from the pocket. I just don't know if that's sustainable with a small guy over 16 weeks that's that's the hardest thing for me is it's a long season uh it's it's a big man's game and here's a little man trying to hold up on a a full nfl season that's a struggle that's a great point now i would give them some credit last year i think that he came off of the four wide receiver offense they started to integrate the tight end and i felt like that was one adjustment last year they made that helped them uh, evolve a little bit. I think you're right. That's a, I hadn't really tied it together with with Kyler Murray physically too. That he may have a hard time over courses of seasons being strong enough late in the year. That's a challenge for all the for everybody. Sure. But it's a challenge for older quarterbacks typically. But he's a young guy. But because he's small, then you look at Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech. Um, and I realize in college a lot of times, you know, if you're a kind of a marginal program. I used to cover Washington State 25 years ago, and they would start with a good record. Then they'd have a bad record, and people would say you can't win in November because you play better teams later, right? But, right. but I mean, Kingsbury at, at Tech, you know, seven and zero, then they lose five straight. You know, two and zero, lose four straight. Three and zero, and five and two, lose four final six. You know, lose six of seven after a three and one start. Lose five of six after a four and one start. Lose their final five. That's been the mo. Yeah, there's a little um, trend there. There's yeah. a little bit of a trend there. Uh, and so you tie that together with Murray physically, all of that, and now they really needed that um, miraculous Hail Mary. They shouldn't have even beat Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, that's, no, a, that's right. That's a miraculous play. So I'm with you on them. I'm a little bit worried, and they're in a tough division. And so we'll see if they can 
you know, kind of bounce back against a, a giant team that is the exact opposite of what they are, of what, you know what I mean? You, no doubt. You think. I think it's a nightmare matchup for them, to be honest with you. Nightmare yeah, it's, matchup. It's a finesse team that doesn't yes. have fundamentals to hang its hat on. That's Arizona. Yep. If, you, if, you, if I call three offensive coordinators right now that are over the age of 45, they're going to say, trick them, dick them. They're all going to say that about <laughs> yeah, Arizona. Yeah. You know, you know that's yeah, how they talk. Yeah. And then they're going to talk um, differently about Arizona, right, or about the Giants. So I'm with you. This will be a huge test for them. Randy, uh, it's been another fun week. Yes, it has. And we're winding down. We're, we're hitting the home stretch here. I can't wait for games. I know we've got uh, more games this week, as a matter of fact. So yep. uh, starting to get a few answers for, for the postseason, that's for sure. We are. Everybody, you can find Randy on Twitter at Randy Mueller underscore. You can find him at MuellerFootball.com. Also good insight on there. I am Mike Sando, senior writer at The Athletic. Find me at Sando NFL. Thank you, everybody, for coming along. <laughs>